Hello and welcome back to the How The Fuck podcast, the podcast for badass marketers who just want to dive into the details behind successful marketing strategies without all the inspirational fluff and vague statements. This week, we're talking to Yag Ganesh, host of the hugely successful ABM Conversations podcast and director of marketing at the early stage startup, Avoma. In a young company like Avoma, all your content needs to map as quickly as possible to results because you're short on time, money, and resources. In this episode, we deep dive the types of content Yag makes at Avoma, how that maps to results, and how he gets to understand the customer and their problems so well that he can write content that really inspires them. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Ah, my pleasure. Um, and so you're the host of the ABM Conversations podcast. Like before we go into like the main topic of conversation, I'd love to have a little chat about that. How's it going over there? Yeah, it's been a fantastic journey. I would say a little more than a year now. Uh, I, I would say one year and about three months. And uh, when we started the podcast, it started out of like most things in my life, you know, frustrations get turned into uh, creative outcomes, be it my uh, books or, uh, you know, podcasts and things like that. So I used to drive to my work pre-pandemic days and uh, that one hour of uh, Chennai traffic, it used to be uh, supported by these podcasts. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I was really frustrated about listening to them was that after spending about a good one hour or 45 minutes, I just got about five minutes of value. And I wanted to change that. And I thought, you know, if somebody's giving me that amount of time, uh, that should be valued further and the content should be meaty. You know, it should not be things like where did you go to college or what kind of coffee did you have? Like, who cares about those things, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how this started. And for the first 13 episodes, we did not have a guest. And then from there, yeah. now looking back, um, we are 80 episodes down and we've had people like Seth Gordon, Guy Kawasaki, David Cancel, and it's, it's been quite a journey. And when I think of it, it has been an opportunity for establishing some really good relationships and also learning a lot from these people. Yeah, amazing. We could have a whole podcast and we probably should at some point, a whole podcast about tips for growing a podcast. But Absolutely. What's, your, what's, your, like, um, what's your number one tip for people thinking of starting a podcast? Like what, if you look back and you could start again, what would you do differently? Yeah. So one thing I think that has really worked for me is that I, from day one, we never looked at, um, say the numbers. I never wanted to make it a, a podcast that has a million downloads. The whole idea was uh, the only vision with which I operate here is to make it the single best repository of B2B marketing content. So mm-hmm. from that point of view, what happens is I don't look at it from the standpoint of if I get this guest, will I get this much amount of downloads or nothing like that. Right. So it's, it's purely from the standpoint of what's the topic that I want to cover? What's the umbrella topic for this episode and who's the best person to approach. So now if I'm thinking of MarTech, I'm, I'm like trying and approaching uh, Scott Drinker. If I'm thinking of something in the world of modern marketing and the fundamentals of it, then I'm thinking of Seth Gordon, you know, that's, that's how I went about it. Sometimes I also get inbound requests and that also works. But um, if you look at the quality uh, of your uh, content as the core, then what happens is you, you start to establish those one-on-one relationships with your listeners. And these people come back and uh, ping me and uh, they say what they liked or disliked about an episode. And they even go on to make uh, a big post about it on their LinkedIn and stuff. So that gave, that gave me a lot of motivation. So from there, I went on and it continued. And today, when I look back, um, the downloads and stuff happen, but it's a consequence, but that's not the goal. That's great. It's a great idea to, to pick topics, not people, because it makes it inherently useful to, to go back through your backlog and be like, what problem do I have today? Oh, okay. Exactly. That topic is exactly. Happening. Those are more like, you know, questions that I never got answered. So when I heard certain podcasts, uh, like say, for example, if I'm looking at uh, a podcast where it's about a startup or trying to understand how, uh, how to pitch better to a VC, 
Now, what happens is uh, most podcasts that talk about this topic just cover about what should you have in the pitch, but they never touch upon certain factors that typically gets unanswered. Like, say, if I'm not living up to the accountability, what happens then? You know, what are the consequences? So, mm-hmm. I need to understand those unanswered um, questions and the full picture. So, those those kind of things that I always had in me, I wanted to, I wanted someone to answer those. So, podcast has been a great outlet for that. That's awesome. That's that was a really good tip. So, thank you. What about Avoma? I think because we're going to go a little bit into like your content strategy at Avoma. Mm-hmm. Could you just give us like an intro into what you do so we can contextualize? Right. So um, Avuma as a company, you know, the, the primary focus for us is um, providing meeting intelligence. Now, like say, typically when you attend a meeting, what happens is either you're spending time in taking uh, notes. So in that course, there are uh, awkward silences during the conversation or uh, you're not listening enough or things like that. Or sometimes what happens is if a salesperson is in a meeting and they um, get questions from the prospects. A lot of the intelligence that you could probably get from prospects and customers lives and dies within those silos, like say within your sales team or probably within your customer success team, or say if a marketer is having this conversation, uh, things like that. And that information never gets democratized across your entire organization. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the number one problem that Omar tries to solve. Now, um, like say, for example, you and I can have this entire conversation where I would let the, um, you know, Omar note taker in the back end, um, take all the notes by default. I don't have to do a single word of typing. And that happens on one side. Oh, and it's not it. just the transcription. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that that does not just look at the transcript per se, but it also it takes me a one pager note. Like say, if this was a sales call, it will tell me like, hey, Ben was looking at these competitors. He was talking about these pain points. And then these were mm-hmm. um, the kind of things that he was really interested in my product. And these are the next steps after the call. You know, something like that. And it gets automatically appended into the CRM. So that's one side of it. And then you also have the uh, analytics part or, or the things that I can take, not just from my conversation, but the series of conversations that has happened in the past. Uh, that's, that's how actually my content marketing strategy, you know, that's a good segue to talk about it. That's where it stems from. Now, instead of me thinking about what to write on, when I go back and listen to some of these calls or pick up topics based on the notes and conversations, I get to understand that hey, these, these are the kind of things that my prospects are regularly asking about. Now, answering those topics makes far more sense because I'm now directly appealing to what my audience is looking for rather than just going by the uh, you know, pure SEO play or a content play. Which I which gets figured out over a period of time whether what is working for you and what is not. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Getting sold on it. Yeah, it seems like really useful. I think taking notes is is something we try to do on every sales call that we can. Yes. Obviously, try to share that with like product and and marketing and trying to understand everyone we come across and are we positioned the right way and everything. So that sounds like super useful. So is that how you sort of how you envision your content strategy really? It's about answering the questions and pain points and things that are having So there are two parts to this. Um, one way I look at it is that first of all, I don't believe in producing a lot of top of the funnel content. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, like say a HubSpot talking about um, how to create a GIF as a content topic does not make sense at all. Right. Yeah. But still they talk about it and they can do it because they are catering to a whole different audience. Their size of company is different. But when you are part of a startup or a mid-market company, um, everything that you do needs to map to a result outcome. Right. So for me, the way I look at it is I use a good combination of, say, I look at HRFs. I also look at what my customers are talking about. Now, if somebody's uh, like, say, uh, I recently wrote a blog about how filler words impacts a sales outcome, 
right? So now this was because um, we were having our account executive demo about the sales use case of how they can use the product um, for account executives and sales leaders. And then one of the prospects asked my account executive like, oh, all right, so now I, I, I see that you talk about filler words and you measure these things, but does this have an outcome on the sales results realistically? Right. Yeah. So now that becomes my topic. I can talk, I can then go back and do some research because we had about a million calls in our backend, which we could, we could go and analyze. And then we append it out to three key factors that contributed to that. Now, these kind of topics are not directly salesy topics, but these are interesting topics that can serve as answers to the questions that our prospects have in their mind. Yeah. And now mapping these topics closer to looking at HREPs. And when I look at the closest term for that, then I realized that hey, filler words has about say 4,600 people searching per month. Now I can combine these two together and then create a long form piece that not only caters to what my prospect is looking for, at the same time, it also helps the search aspect. So marrying these two is, is at the base of what I do. Amazing. Yeah. It makes, it makes complete sense. I really like what you said about startups, not really yeah. having the, the firepower to, to do any yeah, of that yeah. topic. Like yeah. Whatever that... we write, it has to convert into something. If I'm just looking at increase in traffic volume or some of those vanity metrics, that's not going to work for me in the long term. I have to make an impact. So do you find when you answer those, I guess you answer those long form kind of questions that your customers are having, do you find like that's most useful in the sales process? Like say your sales rep could share that article or does it actually lead to direct conversions from search engines? It does really uh, help both ways. One is like, because it's also closer to the uh, search volume, then it, uh, people, when people are searching for it, it does come up. But the salespeople also use these, use these documents as part of their conversations and they do share. It could be, it is not just those collaterals that are getting sent after, after the call, but these could be the materials or blog posts that they can share instantly while conversing. You know, you could say that, hey, you know what, Yag wrote about this just last week. Take a look. It, it answers your question perfectly. Something like that, mm -hmm. right? And another interesting article that we did at Aboma is that we wrote a piece where we compared two of our competitors. We spoke about Gong versus Chorus. That was one of our article piece that we had on our website, right? Now, traditionally, the thought process of a marketing uh, person would be something like, do Gong versus Chorus versus Avoma, right? Yeah. So that's, that's not what I did because the moment you look at that as a topic, um, and you look at who's writing this. This is on the domain of avoma.com. So you oh. immediately think that, hey, there is going to be an inherent bias that this company is anyway going to, uh, you know, talk up Oma compared to the other two. But the purpose of our entire blog post there was that we did not down talk our competition. You know, I mean, Oma and Chorus, I mean, sorry, the Chorus and Gong um, are catering specifically only to the sales audience. But we wanted to say that, hey, they are good. They have great ratings on G2 and uh, they have uh, a ton of customers. Yeah. Now they are doing great. And um, if you're comparing these two, then these are the factors you need to understand what conversation intelligence is. You need to understand what revenue intelligence is. And this is how you compare these two and make a decision. And by the way, um, this is what uh, Avoma does. So that's mm -hmm. a very side note, right? So yeah. on the main picture, we are talking purely about these things and giving value to what actually these people came in searching for. So eventually that document also helped us pretty much most, more like a bottom of the funnel kind of a document because yeah. Whenever people were comparing those two, you know, this fortunately started ranking up as number one for this, this topic. 
And then people landed up on Avoma. And then sometimes I get pings on my LinkedIn saying that, hey, you know what? Yeah, I read this doc. Now I got introduced to Avoma and I've scheduled a demo with your team. Kudos on that. So you know, wow. that kind of conversations also happen. Yeah. Wow. It's so nice to have that actually happen, isn't it? Yeah. I read that article actually as well. I could see like, yeah, it was very much like, I was reading it thinking, when are we going to get to the point where Avoma is introduced? <laughs> and we did, a, we did a lot of comparing them against each other. But yeah, only yeah. towards the end where you like, but what are they missing? Yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's, the, what's the missing key? And then it's like, yeah. welcome to Avoma. Yeah, I think it, you did that really well. Yeah, it's also about saying that each of the three products has their own audience. If you're this, then go for Gong. If you're that, go for Chorus. If you're this, come, come to Avoma. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Exactly. People wouldn't have continued to read that article if they could make it obvious, if it was obviously biased towards you from the outset. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's so exactly. tempting. Like we've written, I've written a few articles that's like, you know, the 20 best tools for this subject. And of course, you just want to put yourself at the top. <laughs> mostly yes. talk about yourself and then just ignore everyone else like you've got to get trust as well and when that kind of a document you know when that kind of a blog post happens one of the also easiest ways to find out that is you will see that the 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 product that you're trying to insert will be the only one that has a backlink and others won't yeah <laughs> because people are afraid to talk about their competitors but yeah, we, we yeah. find ourselves come up in in com- competitor articles too and they will position us as in some way that's like not exactly true where you're like we do all of this stuff but Sentisum is for this specific use case and it's like not really but <laughs> at least we got a shout out and a backlink so um cool that's i think it's such a good idea everyone should listen to sales calls understand and use that not as just sales calls i think they should also listen to a customer success calls as well and uh, that's that's also very very fundamental you get to at least as a marketer and as a product developer you get to understand as to why a customer what are the kind of features they are requesting or what are the kind of stuff that they are happy with or unhappy with so yeah. now uh, as, a, as a marketer, you know, one of the issues why I say marketers need more of this is because I don't see enough marketers talking to customers or at least listening to customers or, listen, or talking to salespeople much. Generally, marketers, when, when they write content, it's, it's like converting a, a product feature into a problem statement and making the same thing as a solution. And that's not going to help anyone, right? So you need to understand whether this is really a problem for our customers or uh, at least the, the audience that we are targeting at. So when you listen to these people, all of these people are working towards in unison. You're not, you know, they're not driving your car in opposite directions, but everybody is pushing it towards the same direction where the company wants to go. And the cross-functional collaboration that happens because of all these things, that that becomes a really powerful growth lever for the entire company. What about, um, I'm interested to know, so that, that I feel like that content is very optimized to bring in new customers as well as like help them along the sales cycle. Is there any other kind of content that you help create to push the sales along or to like post, let's say a demo? How do you get your customers coming back with marketing and, and continuing to want the product? Right. right. So, um, you know, it's, it's again, you look at the different parts of the sales cycle. Um, and again, when you listen to these calls, what happens is that you're not only looking at the bottom questions where people are stuck and getting them over the line. But you're also trying to see there are two parts, right? One is one of the factors that I've commonly seen with respect to, at least in my case in Avoma, is that when somebody comes in comparing us with one of the competitors and they look at our product, um, like 70% of the time, the conversion happens in our favor. But one of the fundamental things that I'm trying to change now is that we want to, um, we want to have the prospect start their journey with Avoma. Right. So it's, it's not that, Hey, I searched for these people and then I found a as an alternative and now I'm evaluating them as part of the process, but you reverse that. So to do that, then you have to uh, identify what is the DNA on which your organization is built on. 
So instead of you know looking at your competition and trying to make yourself as an alternative, you you flip the entire switch and say that hey, you know what? This is our belief system. This is how we develop the product, and this is the direction that we are going. So it's it's like all pieces of content there is between um, what a prospect or a customer wants and the north star that you are chasing as a company. So between it is between these two. One of the the thought leadership pieces entirely talk about where you see things going forward. and what are the kind of things that you know organizations need to marry as part of their process and then the the bottom piece is where you get the idea and insights from these calls so it's not purely reliant on calls per se but it's 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 a combination of where you want to be as well i think a lot it's very easy to if there's a bigger competitor and more success like exactly for you if you're comparing yeah. yourself against gong yeah. that hard, that's a hard they've got a huge brand and everyone was always they're always going to be first and top of mind yeah when you look at content you have to give people a reason more than saying that i got a, a cheaper version of this product so um, and if you don't give them enough reason that's what they're going to say to their boss during the sales process and yes. that way what happens is uh, then you know that the transaction is going to be short lived at some point the shift is going to happen but if you sell them on the belief system then you know if they truly believe in the same direction if their purpose and your purpose aligns then those are the kind of customers that you want to double down on so yeah that's that's one of the key so yeah i think um i feel like we've covered like very quickly with the stuff that i wanted to ask you which is great actually um like when we've we've nailed like your content strategy and i think it's really inventive because you're also using your own product and bringing it in yeah. like, that's super cool is there anything else that you want to share on that like top tips about content yeah, what should i be asking yeah um so maybe i would say uh, one of the key things that i always say is that people have to be uh, very uh, cautious about creating a dna for themselves as part of their beat content beat the sales story and all of that so you have to create a, a unique sense of identity for yourself uh, so that's something that is very very important and at the same time um, you know one of the key learnings that i've had over the period is that when you take feedback again it, it it's important to take feedback from the market but it depends whom you give your ears to that's yeah. that's probably one of my biggest learnings because see when when i put out a suggestion i mean put out something and ask for a suggestion and when i ask for a suggestion with marketers there is hardly any marketer who is going to come out and tell you that hey you know what i don't have enough context i don't think i'll be able to suggest every marketer is going to give you some suggestion but yeah. that's going to come from their standpoint right so it all sounds great but you know what your context is and you know what to take and what not to take so that balance you know needs to uh, that balance will happen only when you're clear about who you are and where you want to be and all those suggestions that you take will be you know will be filtered from that viewpoint so that's something that i really really want every marketer to keep in mind when yeah. they are asking for feedback or taking suggestions or even putting out their content or anything that they do i i get hit with that all the time like classically on linkedin <laughs> you like reading something and you're like yeah but then you look at what they do and it's you know the like marketing to marketers is maybe different to how you market a saas product and then we're doing like enterprise like sales yeah. saas like it, you can't necessarily <laughs> drop all the other stuff and focus on one thing yeah definitely yeah, yeah. when you say when you say be cautious about your create a unique sense of identity like what kind of things do you mean like how can 
one do that? Right. So um, again, that comes from the standpoint of understanding how your product is being used by uh, your customers, right? So that will be like when you start building your product or when the founders start building the product, they start with a fundamental vision. And that vision is not always, you know, trying to align with the competition or just trying to say that, hey, you know what, this is the space that I'm going to compete in. Now, um, when it comes to positioning, there is always this confusion that happens where, um, you know, people are thinking about whether I'm going to position myself in terms of where I stand in comparison to my competition, or am I going to position towards like how my customers see me and how I want my prospects to see me. So it, it's, it's this balance. Now, when you get more obsessed about where the competition is going, you tend to sandbag yourself into a corner and uh, then you know your, your language starts changing. And at some point, people don't realize uh, whether it's like if you take off the logo, the, the language between this company and that company almost seems similar. You don't want to do that, right? So when you read something, this is like um, Seth Godin wrote about it on, on his blog in a very inspiring way. You know, he spoke about this as a 30 feet rule that happens in a typical retail outlet. You look at, you look at an aisle from 30 feet away. And if you can't say that this product is from this brand and this product is from this brand, then you're not any different. So I'm saying have that thought process and have something exclusive. People understand that, okay, if these people are talking about this, 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 then this must be Aoma. And if they are talking about like enterprise sales all the time, this must be gone or something like that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Really. This has been, it's been great hearing from you. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been such a pleasure. And it's, it's been such a casual conversation that I didn't even realize that we spoke about so many different topics yeah. in the span of the last 40, 45 minutes. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ben. Yeah. You have a great day.